It's good singing. I love certainly hymns, so I think we can do even better. So let's pull out all the stops, as Mr. Kern used to always say, and sing our very best. God's wondrous grace to me has been bestowed, nor why unworthy as I am he claimed me for his own. But praise God we can say, but I know, I know whom I have believed. I trust you can say that tonight. I trust you're not depending on the free church or some mere decision or anything other than what this chorus says. I know him I have believed and am persuaded. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Amen.
just before we sing our opening hymn 383, there will never be a sweeter story, story of the Saviour's love divine. You couldn't hear a sweeter story than the redeeming work of Christ. There will never be a sweeter story. in this gospel campaign in the town hall tonight is a lovely hymn I heard an old old story how the saviour came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me we have no other message we have no other theme but it's all in the person and the work of the saviour let's really uh, sing our very best you're doing well on those lovely hymns let's keep it up as we stand to sing together opening hymn I heard an old old story Thank you. 
let's take our seats. We'll sing that last verse again, unaccompanied. Our sisters will give us a note, and then we're going to ask our clerk of session, our brother Phil, if he'll come and lead us to the throne of grace and opening word of prayer. And this is the first night of our gospel campaign. We'll get the note and we'll sing the verse and the chorus. I heard about a mansion. He's built for me in glory. Is there a mansion ready for you in heaven? That's the question. And I trust tonight you'll be able to say, yes, there is, because Christ has gone to prepare one for me. I heard about a mansion. all unite our hearts together in prayer. Eternal Father in heaven, we do thank thee that the mission has finally arrived. We thank thee, Lord, for all the preparation that has taken place for the leaflets that have been distributed, for the conversations that has taken place, for the invitations that have been extended. Now, Lord, as we gather for the gospel, how we long that the presence of God might be made known and might be real unto each and every one of us. Very conscious that over these next few weeks we will hear of the life and work of the death, of the resurrection, of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all that he accomplished on the cruel cross of Calvary for sinners such as we. Yet, Lord, we're mindful that there may be those who will gather into these meetings who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And outside of the fold and family of the Lord Jesus Christ, without God, And without hope in this old world. And so Lord as the word of God would go forth. We do pray for a manifestation of the spirit of God. We pray Lord that thou wilt descend upon us. That we thy people might be edified and encouraged. And blessed in our hearts and souls as we hear of the transforming, life-changing message 
of the gospel. We do pray that as the word of God would go forth, that thou wilt speak to those who have perhaps grown cold of the things of God. Once they walked well with thee, but now they're away on the mountains wild and bare, and sadly away from the tender shepherd's care. We pray that thou wilt have a word for the backslider, and bring them back unto thyself, we pray. Lord, we ask of thee that thou wilt speak especially to the unsaved. To that man, that woman, that young person who knows nothing of the grace of God in their lives. We do pray that this might be a mission of a difference. Where the Lord makes himself known. Where it's noised abroad throughout the townlands and the town of Balamoni itself. But the Lord is doing great things in the mission in the town hall. We pray that thou wilt be pleased, Lord, to draw in sinners. Oh, grant that this place over these next two weeks might be a magnet for gospel truth. That the word of God might be preached from this house. And that thou wilt save an abundance of souls. We do think of thy servant, Lord, and we're... We're very conscious of the responsibility upon our pastor's shoulders to preach the whole counsel of God. To be faithful to the blood and to the book and to the souls of men. We pray that as he mounts the pulpit steps night by night and stands before this sacred desk and opens up the scriptures of truth. That thou wilt be pleased to anoint his ministry. That thou wilt give him a double portion of thy spirit and baptize him with the Holy Ghost. Very conscious, Lord, that we've only one life to live. We've only one soul to give. And Lord, we pray that thou wilt impress upon our hearts and souls the importance, the urgency of getting right. With God, Thou hast told us, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. What is our life? It is but a vapour, which appeareth for a short while, then it vanisheth away. And our life is just like a, a tale that is told. And so, Lord, we pray that Thou wilt make a difference in our lives this week. That thou will come upon us, that we as a people might be able to uplift and exalt and to magnify the person of thy dear Son. For it's in his name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for leading us to the throne of grace. We've been blessed over the weekend already by the ministry of our Hebron choir. And we're going to ask them to come now and to sing for us, please. The Hebron choir.
to the Hebron Choir again for the ministry and as always it has been a blessing to our soul. We bid you welcome to the first uh, meeting in our gospel campaign as your brother Phil prayed the work's been done, the invitations have been given out and we've arrived. Not at the date that we originally had planned, however we believe in the providence of God that all things work together for good according to his divine plan and purpose. And so we're here, and you're here, and of course you're made most welcome. And if you're a visitor, you don't normally uh, worship with us or attend Hebron, and you're here tonight, we bid you especially welcome. And we trust that you'll feel at home, and that you'll come back again. There's a gallery up there that we can still fill. And so let's see, uh, night by night, and pray that the tide of blessing will rise in this gospel campaign. We also welcome those who are tuning in on Sermon Audio, Facebook and YouTube, and we trust that the Lord will bless them as they've come to worship with us. The mission continues each night, Monday through Friday at 8pm, and on the Lord's Day at 7pm. Do remember the times of prayer. They'll be held down in the MacArthur Room, just as you come in, down at the bottom. And we thank those who attended tonight, a good number of people in seeking the Lord's face. But again, let's encourage each other in our attendance at the place of prayer and pray the blessing of God down on this gospel campaign. Tomorrow night, uh, our sister Hannah Armstrong uh, will be along to minister in Soam. And you'll be glad to know that those are all the announcements. No more gladder than I am, because, as you know, our announcements at Hebron can be the first lesson well, that's all the announcements tonight. We're going to sing together. I'm going to let you get up and stretch your leg and keep the circulation going before uh, you get any colder, but we trust that you're all doing not too bad. And we're singing, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. After we sing this hymn, our evangelist for this campaign is our own minister, Reverend David Park. Pray for the Reverend Park night by night as he comes and when we were having thoughts about the gospel campaign, our session was unanimous in that there was no uh, one better to come and to preach the gospel than our own minister. And we do trust and pray that the Lord will bless him as night by night he comes to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Hymn 365 standing while we sing please.
glad to be here and I want to add my own words of welcome to all who have come. It's good on the first day to see uh, so many gathered. We have the ground floor almost filled and just looking down it's, it's a great encouragement. Thank you Mervyn for leading the opening part. Thank you to the choir for ministering in song. We always enjoy your ministry to Sylvia and Diane and all the work that they do. We've had a good day so far. Um, good time of prayer this morning, the early season. I've felt the Lord's presence and that's always good when the Lord's Day begins with uh, a good season of prayer with the people of God gathering in. And then I know they just had a good meeting this morning with Dr. John Douglas. I was down in Larne uh, preaching there at their Harvest Mission, extended mission over the weekend. And we had a good time also there. And then in the afternoon there was a little little private dedication service that we had the opportunity to, to speak at. It's a non-converted family that's connected to the church and just to get 25 or 30 of them uh, gathered around and have the opportunity to present the gospel to them. And they listened really well, and uh, we're very glad about that. So here we are tonight at the mission. Now, I want to apologize if you're feeling cold. Uh, it's not my fault. It's not anybody's fault that's here. Uh, due to cutbacks, everything was transferred to Riata House, I'm told, regarding the heat. And I don't think they must have told him there's a meeting here tonight. So if you're cold, that's the reason why there's, there's no heat on. But that will be rectified for tomorrow night. Okay, so nice and warm tomorrow night. If you haven't got a coat uh, this evening, I feel sorry for you. But you can sit up close. I said that in the prayer meeting. Sit up close to the people beside you. And somebody remarked, I think it was my wife, she said, it depends who you're sitting beside. <coughs> but I'm sure you're happy with the people you're sitting beside. Uh, I trust that you'll be warm. Now, I can, I can see you quite, quite well. When you come to the town hall, and this is a new place for me because I was here one night at a praise service. I was here at another, maybe two functions, so two or three times only over the past 25 years have I been in this venue. So it's very, <coughs> very new to me. You have this staging area behind. If you're standing up there, it's very, very high. Too high maybe to be looking down and too high for you to be looking up. And then the thought that we'd get a little platform in. And that was all nicely arranged for the meeting tonight. And uh, it was about maybe a foot and a half high. And I would have been a little bit higher. But we soon discovered that when that projector was on, that it was beaming in your face and you couldn't see anything. Maybe that's a good thing. Mervyn couldn't see anybody. He was being blinded. And then I couldn't see. So we just reduced it to that height there. It's only about four inches or so. But it, it gives the opportunity for me just to get that slightly higher level to look down and see you tonight. Uh, I trust that our times here will be owned of God. We, we have been thinking about what happened in this very building many years ago, 1948, when the Nicholson mission came and W.P. Nicholson preached the gospel night by night. We have people in this meeting this evening that were converted to Christ at that mission and many, many dozens of people were saved. Those were days when mission 
Nicholson was preaching missions around the country, entering major towns and cities of this land, and hundreds of people were being converted to Christ. And of course, he was not only a great evangelist, he was a very controversial preacher. Some people came just once, and they never came back, because he offended people. But even with the offence, sometimes more people came in, because they wanted to hear, who is this strange man that is prepared to say such things? One I think I was relating recently was um, the boss's daughter. He was having a mission somewhere where there was a business, and the boss's daughter happened to come in one night just a little bit late, and she was dressed in a very bright outfit. It was, it was a dashing yellow colour, and he just stopped the meeting, and he said to two old ladies sitting in the front, Will you two old crows move up and let that nightingale or no canary, canary, canary is yellow, uh, get a seat beside you? And you know, the people said, What's going to happen? He's just offended our boss's daughter. But the workforce came in to hear this man preach, and many of them were converted to Christ. We trust and pray that God will breathe upon us. Uh, the key to these meetings will be prayer. God does not move apart from prayer. And he has ordained it so. He has given to us, we can call it a weapon tonight. And so there in that little room downstairs, as you come through the main doors, is a room that's allocated for the prayer time. So it was good to see every seat filled and a few people standing. If I counted right, and numbers are not everything, but if I counted right, there were 44 people there. And as I thought of 44, I thought of Isaiah 44, And verse 3, and it is to do with pouring water upon him that's thirsty and floods upon dry ground. May God give us the thirst and may we come and pray and may we have that hunger after him. And may he come and rain showers of blessing upon this gospel mission. I want you to open your Bible tonight to the gospel of Luke and the chapter 22. Be very exercised and constrained to... Think about what happened just in and around the cross of Christ who are really dealing with one day, uh, one day through this whole campaign of two weeks and thinking of these individuals that came into very close contact with the Saviour. And the first one is a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. Uh, And I want to, at the beginning of this mission, preach in Judas Iscariot. And I want to think about the true heart condition of this man. Because really at the end of the day, that's, that's the important thing. How you are in your heart. We believe with our heart. We trust with our heart. We exercise faith in our heart. With the heart, man believeth unto salvation. And so your heart is the most important thing that's here tonight. It's good to have your body as well. Good to have you here physically. But inside, how you stand with God, nothing is more important. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we open your word. We come to read these verses. And we come to think about one of the most mysterious, interesting characters that we have in the New Testament. This man by the name of Judas Iscariot. And as we read and as we preach, we pray that you will just help us to settle down into the atmosphere of this gospel service. And take away the distractions, take away the many things that might otherwise occupy our minds. We know that the devil would just love to to captivate our attention and to 
just draw our minds to other things now, but Lord, we pray that we'll be focused. Give us the ability to do that. And grant to the preacher the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God, that baptism of power that I need. And Lord, may this be a time in the mission when souls meet with God in his word, when they feel the burden and the challenge of divine truth and be drawn to Christ and be gloriously saved. Lord, hear and answer our prayers tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. Just the opening six verses of Luke 22. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. I'm just thinking about that opening phrase that we have in verse 3. Then entered Satan into Judas, named Iscariot. Oh, to be able to see right in to the heart of man. To be able to look where the human eye cannot see. To discern what a man is really like in the inside. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. The outward appearance is all that we see. In fact, the, the only view that we see is what we see in the exterior, on the exterior. And upon the observations that we view, we make our judgments. Isn't that what the Lord said? By their fruits ye shall know them. And so if we are to discern where a person stands with the Lord, whether they're truly saved or not, we will look at the evidence. We will look at the, the fruits in their lives. We will observe and mark the outward signs of a man's profession. And from this then we make our calculations and our judgments. We see a man who professes faith in Christ. He shows some kind of tangible evidence that he is the Lord's. He reads the Bible. He never misses the prayer meeting. He gets involved in God's work. He sits at the Lord's table. He witnesses to others and maybe even preaches from time to time, and rightly so, for these are some of the things that ought to be found in the life of the true Christian, and these things will mark him out. And yet, though our judgment will be right, probably 90% of the time we don't really know the condition of another man's heart because we look on the outward appearance and it's only God that is able to look upon the heart. When man looked on the outward appearance of Judas Iscariot, what did he see? Well, we're going to note some of those observations in a few minutes' time, but just to say at this point that all the observations and the appearance of Judas testify to the fact that he must have been a child of God. And yet we know that that is not so. The true condition of his heart is revealed. That he was unsound in his faith and he was unconverted in his soul. 
when man looked at him, and, and we think of the crowds that, that attended the Savior's ministry, and that brought the crowds into contact with Judas and the other disciples, and, and they, they looked at these men, and they listened to what they had to say, and they, they watched their lives. Their, their lives were put under scrutiny, for these were the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we think of the disciples themselves looking at Judas Iscariot. What did they see? Well, man saw him, I believe, to be a Christian, one of the Lord's people, a man who bore what we might call the, the evident signs of genuine redemption. But God looked in the heart, and he saw something entirely different, a heart that had never been renewed, a heart that had never been changed, a heart that was set on self and covetousness, indeed into which Satan would enter and direct Judas in his evil work of betrayal. And so we conclude with the evidence of the scripture that's given to us. Here is a man and he was never saved, he was never redeemed, he was never born again, and today he's not in glory with the others, the other disciples. But Judas is lost forever in a Christless eternity. It's interesting to note what the scripture says about him because that's our only authority. Here's the only means whereby we can make a proper judgment because it's the Lord that looks upon the heart and therefore the Lord shows us clearly in his word what this man was really like. Our text here informs us, verse 3, then entered Satan into Judas, that is into his heart. This is all happening in the shadow of the cross. The Lord Jesus is soon to die. It's the day before the morning of the crucifixion. The apostle John, he leads us to the same scene only a little bit later that night when they have celebrated the Lord's Supper. And we read in John chapter 13 and the opening verses, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So we're reading about a man here, about Satan entering into his heart, and the devil putting it into his heart to betray Christ. These are incredible words, it would seem, when we think of the last three years, or three and a half years as it was. This man walking in very close, intimate proximity to the Lord Jesus Christ. Spending day after day with the Lord and these other men. The fact of the matter is that Judas had been a non-believer for a long time. And we read in the Gospel of John, and the chapter 6 and verse 70, now Jesus said, have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil. And the Lord really is identifying the true condition of this man's heart. I remind you that we are dealing with one of the most complex and mysterious characters in God's word. It's hard for us to fathom how an individual like this could be chosen, called, and commissioned to be an apostle of our Lord 
together with the others. And yet, all the time he's on sound. All the time he was never truly converted. Well, we know that it was in the sovereign purpose of God, but yet it's a great mystery how this all happened. But one important lesson that we learn, one that we do well to give attention to is this. A man can have great professions. He can have great appearances. He can have great participations. He can have great positions, great privileges, great practices. He can have great friends and great acceptance with others. Indeed, he can have great nearness to Christ, and yet his heart is not right in the sight of God. A work has never been done. Salvation has never been accomplished, and that man is still on the road to hell. Now, such things ought to to make us all sit up and take stock. Examine yourselves, says Paul, as he writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 13, Verses 5 and 6. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. On this first night of the mission, I want us to examine ourselves in the light of Judas Iscariot, this man who was on sound in his faith. And I want you to think about the true condition of Judas Iscariot's heart. Uh, Three very simple things I want to leave with you. First of all, I want you to think about the spiritual activity of Judas. Uh, We have got to remind ourselves about the man that we are dealing with here this evening. Mark the many outward signs that, that seem to testify of his conversion. Understand that we are considering a person that was taken for a true Christian. By all who looked on. Now we haven't time tonight. But I would recommend. That you read the opening verses. Of Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10. Jesus Christ has called the 12 disciples together. Judas included. He is sending them forth on a mission. Going out to preach the word. He has given them power. Power over unclean spirits. Power to heal the sick. Power to raise the dead. And they go out on this great mission. Of gospel preaching and so from the record that we have of Judas Iscariot we know that he held office because he was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ he was ordained as an apostle we know that he was sent out by the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the gospel we know that he healed the sick he cast out devils he attended many many services we know that he became the treasurer He looked after the money as far as the the treasury was concerned. We know that he sat at the master's feet and learned from him. He attended some of the most remarkable events like the feeding of the 5,000 and the other miracles of the Savior. We know that he actively served the Lord with the other men. Peter, James and John were his colleagues and the other disciples too. We know that he sat at the Lord's table. This very Uh, first Lord's table when it was instituted the night before Christ was crucified. And we know that he had great success when the Lord sent his disciples out to preach the word and to cast out devils to heal the sick. They brought reports back of the tremendous success that God had given to them. Souls were saved. People were healed. Devils were cast out. But as we 
shall see this evening. This man was not saved. There is no doubt that souls being saved in our ministries is a tremendous encouragement. It's an outward sign of spiritual blessing and power. It's an indication that the Lord is with us. They are what we sometimes call seals to the ministry. And we all long for that. I'm longing for that in this gospel mission, that sinners will be converted to Christ. But I want you to note, it's possible to see success and yet not truly be the Lord's child. I know preachers who have stood in pulpits. They have preached this book that we hold in our hands tonight. They they have proclaimed the gospel. They have presented Christ as he is offered in the gospel. And they possessed power. They seemed to be gifted men. And yet they were not truly converted. People can get up and they can take part in so much of what we will call the Lord's work. And they can be involved and they can have apparent outward success and yet not be joined in faith to Christ. John Wesley was preaching the gospel before he himself became a true Christian, we know. And there's others like him. We must learn that a man can be involved in Christian work as far as it lies within him and have outward service and success and yet not be the Lord's child. I want you to see that tonight. But then I want you to see, secondly, the sad reality of Judas. Now, before I come to that, let, let me just remind you that we never read about Judas Iscariot envying other people. Never read about him being jealous of, of Peter or James or John or the other disciples. We never read about him preaching any other message than the same message that Christ and his disciples preached. So he wasn't preaching a false gospel. We never read about him saying anything against Christ. We never read about him being divisive and and hard to work with in the Lord's work. We never read about him being uh, suspected by others. You know, the other men thinking, well, there's something wrong with Judas. He's not quite like us. Uh, There's just something very suspicious about his testimony. We read nothing about that in God's work. But his heart was never right with God. The crowds may not have known the true state of Judas. The disciples that walked with him for that three and a half year period of the Lord's ministry may not have discerned where he really stood. But Jesus knew. He knew all the while what he was like in his heart as he still knows your heart and mine tonight. God looks on the heart. He knows us. Through and through. A man can fool his family. Can fool his friends. His closest associates. Can fool the minister. The elders of the church. But he can't fool God. We read these expressions. Satan entered into Judas. Satan filled his heart. And Jesus said, one of you is a devil. And that shows us the real man. That word devil is the Greek word diabolos, from which we get our English word diabolical. 
And my friends, tonight we can say that Judas' soul active in Christian work and service had a diabolical heart. That was the true condition of this man. We know from the record of divine truth that he was a thief. You read the story in John chapter 12. It's six days before the Passover. Jesus Christ has come to the little village of Bethany. He has gone into the home of his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus who lived there. And there's an act of devotion, you remember, that was shown to Christ by Mary. Mary broke open the precious box of of spikenard ointment and poured it over the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Really just as an act of devotion to say, Lord, I love you. Now Judas Iscariot raised a ruction on that occasion. He complained to the Lord. Why was not this perfume or this ointment sold? And the money given to the poor, he reckoned it would have reached something like 300 uh, pence. Doesn't sound like a much, much now, but remember, a man worked for one penny a day. So you're talking about almost a year's salary, 300 pennies for a normal day's work and for 300 of them. Why was the money not, or why was the ointment not sold and the money given to the poor? He didn't care for the poor. Word of God makes that clear. He was only thinking about the fact that he kept the money. He had the bag, the Bible tells us. He was the treasurer and he was pilfering. He was stealing from that all along. And so he was really just after the money. Now, of course, it's a Christian virtue to care for the poor and to help those that are less fortunate. That's a a Bible principle. Some verses that have meant a lot to me For many years, one of them is the Psalm 41 and verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord shall deliver him in time of trouble. And the other in the New Testament that has really challenged me for for many, many years is 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18. Whoso hath this world's good. That means if if you've got possessions, if you've got money, if if you've got things. And seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, that is not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's so easy to, to love with your lips and with your tongue and say, oh, I, I pity the poor and I'm really concerned, and even to speak to them personally and say to them, I feel sorry for you. But the word of God says, you know, that avails nothing. You want to go beyond that. You want to love in, in deed. In other words, you do something to help these individuals. Pity the man that cares not, that shows no compassion, that passes by the other side. And the question is asked by John, how dwelleth the love of God in him? But Judas did not care for the poor. He was only pretending. He just wanted to get the money and he stole from the bag. He stole from God. And there's many people like him. Not only did he complain himself, but you know he was a, a bad influence on the other disciples. Because just a few days later in the same village in Bethany, there was another act of love that was shown to Christ. It wasn't in the home of Martha this time, it was in the home of Simon the leper. And there was a lady who broke her box of precious ointment and poured it this time over the head of the Lord Jesus Christ 
And we read on that occasion in Matthew's Gospel that the disciples then complained to the Lord, why was this ointment not sold and the money given to the poor? So he had an effect, as we all have an effect upon other people. Judas was a thief. Judas was also a traitor. He sold Christ. He sold Christianity for a meager 30 pieces of silver, showing again the true condition of his heart. I remind you of what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. And so what I'm saying tonight is the heart is the all-important matter. It's not what you say. It's not what you do. It's not what you give. Now, these things are important in their proper place. And we ought to practice our Christianity. And we ought to have that outward manifestation of being a child of God. But the heart is the all-important thing. What is your heart like tonight? As God sees it, as God looks in, are you renewed inwardly? Are you truly converted? Does the grace of God dwell there in your heart? Has the blood of Christ been applied? Does Christ dwell in you? One final thought tonight. And there is the solemn eternity of Judas. Judas died without the Lord. It seems incredible, doesn't it? This man that had been with the Lord all this time, and yet he dies unconverted. That person that had that is so much outwardly going for him, he died without Christ. The Lord in John 17, and again it's the night before the cross, makes a great prayer. It's the high priestly prayer of Christ. And he, in that prayer he says something very interesting and I think very solemn about Judas Iscariot. Listen to it. It's John chapter 17 and, and verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And here the Lord Jesus calls him the son of perdition. What a fearful term. A child of hell. There are countless people like Judas today with all the outward religious things. You think of those that are running about the nations of the world with all these big campaigns that they're holding, healing campaigns and Think of those that sit at the Lord's table, those that are involved intimately in, in church life, those that are so involved, and yet they're lost. You know, we understand some of these ministers that we hear about in, in churches today, and we know that they are not converted because we know by what they say, what they preach, they, they tell their congregations just to live a good life and you'll be okay for heaven. They, they don't preach the gospel. They're not sound men in the faith themselves. But that's not the kind of person we're talking about here when it comes to Judas Iscariot. Judas was one of the twelve. Judas was seen to be fully involved. He was reckoned to be a follower of Christ. He was a preacher of the truth. He sat 
in conference meetings with the Lord. He worked the same miracles that the other disciples worked, and yet he's lost, and lost forever. And I think of the, the free church tonight with all our faults, and we have many, but we do contend for a born-again membership. Our office bearers are saved. They have to be saved to hold office in the church. Our ministers, our missionaries, our preachers have all an outward credible testimony. And yet the point is, so did Judas Iscariot. And yet he's lost. Have, not, have we not preached in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? There's not a time that I read those words of the Savior that we have in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. But I wonder, was the Lord thinking particularly of Judas Iscariot and obviously men like him? Because he's talking about that day when when men will come and they will have great professions on their lips when they come to, to stand before the Lord. Jesus says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, we... Have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works? And Jesus says, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What a tragedy to be found where Judas Iscariot was found on that day when he came to stand before the Lord. I never knew you. Would he not have said on that that day, And will he not say on the great day of judgment, which is still to take place, Lord, I preached in your name. I cast out devils in your name. I did many wonderful works in your name. And yet the Lord will say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. My friends, I want to just stress tonight the important matter. And what is the important matter? It's the heart. It's your heart tonight. People can have a a pretense. They can have a, a practice. They can even enjoy church life. They can show great interest in spiritual and eternal things. And yet be cast out. The judgment day will be an eye opener. And so as we close tonight. I'm asking the question. Where do you stand with the Lord? Only you can answer that in your heart. I can't see your heart, but God sees your heart. And in the honesty of your own self, I think you know what it is in your heart, how you stand in your heart. How is it with your immortal soul? Is it well with you or is it not? And the Lord has given us that injunction, that exhortation in the scripture to make your calling and your election sure. Will you do that tonight? If you're not saved, will you come to Christ? Don't be found among the Judas Iscariots in that day who will be cast out forevermore. Let's bow together in prayer. We're so thankful for those that, that come to church and those that sit in our meetings, those that get involved. But the great question is, my friend, how is it in your heart tonight?
We said earlier, with the heart man believeth unto salvation. Have you believed in your heart in Christ? Have you received him into your life, into your heart? Has the change been done? Or have you never, never been converted? I pray on this opening day of our mission that God will speak and speak powerfully and clearly. And if you're not saved, bring you to Christ. Heavenly Father, you know the heart of all men. You know my heart. You know the hearts of those that are sitting here and those that are tuning in on the internet. We look on the outward appearance and we make our judgments and our judgments could be wrong. But God looks in the heart and he sees the real condition and his judgment is not wrong. We pray that you will search out every heart tonight and that you will bring every individual to that place of certainty and reality in knowing the Lord. We ask you, Lord, to speak now while the voice of the preacher is silent and open up the mind and the heart to divine truth. Save for your glory. For your honour, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is Pass Me Not, O Gentle Saviour. It's the hymn 253 in our hymn book. But you'll have the words behind me here. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And the Lord is calling and the Lord is bringing sinners to himself while he's doing that. I trust that you'll not be passed by. May it be the cry of your heart, Saviour, Saviour. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. May you come to the Lord. And we're here to help. I am in no hurry away from the town hall, despite the coolness. We'll take all the time that is needed to talk to you. If you've got questions that I can try to answer, I'll do my best. I'll open up the scriptures and I'll try to answer your questions tonight. But the important thing is for you to be saved. And we can certainly point you to Christ from God's word. How you can be saved and know that you're saved tonight. You make sure that you're found in him. And your heart is rightly related to Christ. Pass me not, O gentle Saviour.
trust you'll be able to get to the mission as often as you can. You come again tomorrow night and as many nights as possible. Will you bring others with you? Tomorrow night I want to speak on Peter. Peter got into a place where he shouldn't have been. And if you know of folks that have professed Christ and they've got into a place where they shouldn't be and they're backslidden, they're following afar off, you try to get them to the mission tomorrow night for that's the subject that we're going to deal with. Heavenly Father, bless your word and honor Christ our Redeemer. Exalt his name. And we pray for that mighty spiritual power of conviction that will bring sinners through for Christ. Compel them to the cross. Give them grace to leave their sin and to forsake all to follow thee. Separate us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.